are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad. Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, joined as always by the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. I feel like you should add a hero to that as well. The hero? No, because you could be a hero, but I don't think you're the hero. But some would disagree. You think you're the lone hero? There are no other heroes? There's only Jay King? You haven't even won a Celtics hero among us. But you're right. This is a rare time. You're right. The Celtics have been playing like heroes lately. The Celtics just don't stop winning. And there's been a lot of talk about they haven't played any good teams. When they do play the good teams, their stars have been out. I mean, I don't know if you count Dylan Brooks as a star, but... The Memphis Grizzlies can't. Star, but he was very important to them. Don't, is, don't disparage Dylan Brooks here. I, I didn't, I just wasn't calling him a star. I did think that, uh, the Grizzlies supporting cast around Ja and Jaron Jackson last night was a little suspect. I mean, Zaire Williams wasn't the best. D'Anthony Melton didn't give them much, but nonetheless, Ja was there coming, like scoring, uh, I think what he may describe the quietest 38 points he's ever seen. But the Celtics just flat out beat the Grizzlies other than a a kind of a a lot of turnovers, I guess, in the first half. They just came out in the second half and just thoroughly beat the Grizzlies and was just a, at this point, it has to be one of their more impressive wins of this season. Yeah, Yeah. and, and what I thought was really impressive about it was they just did it the same way they've won all those other games against crap teams. They had a great start, defensively at least. They had a great third quarter. They rode Jason Tatum, who made all the right plays. When they were double-teaming him, it was like like chef's kiss. Find find Al Horford, who found Robert Williams, who dunked it. Um, that was the best play of the game, by the way. It was then they immediately doubled, and Horford caught it and knew exactly – as soon as Steven Adams stepped up, that Rob was going to be there for the lob. It was like, bang, bang. It was such good ball movement. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, Tatum, he, what did he make? One three. He didn't really attempt many mid range jumpers. It was all drives and cuts from him. And the type of performance, especially against a, a very physical Grizzlies team that showed off all the areas he's grown. Um, And then Jalen's out. Aaron Neesmith, who starts in his place, gets injured. They literally have no wings with his experience left on the bench. And they just, they throw Grant Williams into the small forward role. They're switching all their bigs like usual, but they're doing it against John Morant, who could just fly by anyone. And the bigs still held up. And obviously, Moran had 14 points in the thir- fourth quarter. He ended up with 38 points. But I went through the film and against the Celtics bigs, and I included Grant Williams in that. He probably doesn't, shouldn't be included in that anymore, even though he was a center as recently as last season. Um, he was five for 15 from the field against switches against those guys. 
And it's just their defense has been awesome, awesome, awesome. And that switching style with a lot of help, especially from Robert Williams, has has really, really given teams hell. And, and uh, you know, for a while it was really bad teams, but to do it against the Grizzlies, to do it against John Morant, who was as hot as anybody, and I guess 38, you can say he was, he's still as hot as anybody, but that was the best win they've had in a long time, if not the entire season. And and they were able to keep their brand of basketball against a really freaking good team, which I think they kind of they believed that they would. Um, but, you know, after all those blowouts against bums, I think other people wanted to see them do it against a better team. And now they've beaten Atlanta with a dominant second half and they've beaten Memphis by really controlling the whole game. If it were, if it wasn't for first half turnovers, that, that would have been a blowout, uh, but they did have a lot of first half turnovers. So. <laughs> but that like, if it was just, if they didn't have those turnovers, I feel like they would have uh, pretty much dominated the, the entire game and probably won by more than 13 because the Grizzlies just could not really score efficiently in the half court whatsoever. And the Grizzlies, they ended up with, I think, 15 fast break points, 13 kind of fast break opportunities, just kind of off turnovers. A lot of those coming in the first half, especially there in the second quarter where the Grizzlies kind of got back into the game. But once the Celtics kind of slowed that down um, and got to the ball movement and just stopped throwing really dumb turnovers. Like if they, once they reduced the Grizzlies to just strictly playing in the half court, it was phenomenal. Like there's just not a lot the Grizzlies could do. There were not a lot of like great looks for the Grizzlies. And even Ja, when he was attacking towards the end, he's just, he's just uh, obscene. He's one like an amazing leaper and just has all the moves. But even then it felt like Ja like he was one of the best in the league at like splitting double teams. And it feels like um, I think Al Horford ended up getting called for a foul on it, which I thought was a BS call, but like he managed to step up and stop job Morant's progress and then kind of get tie up the ball. I think it should have been a jump ball, but there was just not a lot the Grizzlies could do other than jaw isolations. And I think if like the, the Celtics are just so good with that switching just to turn pretty much any team it's the hardest defense to go up against. And I think the Celtics are just so good at it now that it's going to be like, you're going to need to have multiple very good one-on-one scorers to kind of go against them and be efficient. I think that's just like looks so well for them as like they gear up for the playoffs, just because it's going to take a very, very talented team with multiple guys who can take you in isolation to kind of consistently beat the Celtics um, on that end of the court. Oh, the, the kid has dropped out. I don't know what is going on here. I'm going to have to uh, uh, monologue here while uh, he disappears. Joshua B., thank you for uh, helping me out while uh, Jay has somehow disappeared. How's it going? Hey, it's great. Um, I just I, – I, I mean, maybe I'm just all by myself on this, but I think that the Celtics are as good as any of the top East teams. Aside from Giannis, um, with him being like the huge obvious exception, and maybe Bam, if he gets on a heater, we match up defensively with 
everybody. I mean, I don't understand why, at least nationally, everybody seems to think that the Celtics, because they're in the fifth seed, the sixth seed, um, depending on the day, are so much worse than um, any of these other top teams, especially with the top team defense. Is it just because Kevin Durant, you know, pre-Achilles injury when he was on the Golden State Warriors was so incredible? Or is there some other, like, grander thing? Like, have, have the Heat done anything to suggest that they're not going to like break down in the play in, in the playoffs or if not before i mean I, I guess what i'm asking is sort of a big picture question right which is like why do the national media think that when you're only four games back of the number one team in the east that therefore you're so much worse than um than, than the top team i mean anything can happen in four games ask the grizzlies okay i'm done <laughs> I think it's a it's a fair point, and we had Jay King there for a minute, but then he dropped out again. I think it's really a matter of uh, perception. I think a lot of it has to do the Celtics in their dominance of late have not really beaten that many teams. I think the win over the Grizzlies helped. But I also don't know if the national media is like definitely the Celtics are, are much, much worse than uh, a team like Miami or a team like the 76ers. And I agree with you. I think the Celtics right now, just given how well their defense is playing, has the capability to really match up with anyone. I think that the team, the kind of matchup that gives you the most pause is Joel Embiid, just because that man's huge. And now he has James Harden. But that being said, I think Al Horford has like the best track record of uh, anyone in the league in terms of trying to slow Embiid down. And, the Celtics do a very good job of matching up with everyone else on the perimeter. And if they're going to keep Tybal on the court, um, maybe it's somewhere where they can would sag off him and help a lot and maybe use Marcus Smart or Derek White as a roving defender. The thing I'm thinking about the Celtics now as I head into the playoffs is I'm just trying to temper expectations uh, for myself. This is purely to kind of for my own happiness to try and figure out uh, – I don't want to get too overhyped on the Celtics, but they just keep winning. And I feel the hype train building. I feel it uh, kind of getting there. Whereas like, there's, there's no reason why the Celtics um, uh, can't win. I guess I would say any series in the East right now, it's can they string together uh, three series in a row? I don't know. The teams are very talented. The heat. I mean, you ask uh, what the heat have done. The Heat have been at the top of the Eastern Conference this entire year, and they have guys who've been there before. In Jimmy and Bam have gone to the finals. Kyle Lowry's won a championship. PJ Tucker's won a championship, and so uh, I don't know. It's I it makes me very excited for the East playoffs. I think the Celtics can do a lot, but it's going to be uh, interesting to see kind of what happens in the playoffs. Because and, and the thing I'm really interested in is like where the teams fall in the standings because the Celtics right now are two games back of the Bulls and Sixers who are kind of tied for second and third right now. Although it's a little bit, you got to look at the loss column um, just because there's different amount of games. So technically the Celtics are closer to four games back of the Sixers and three games back of the Bulls. But if they can somehow avoid I think the ideal is to get in that uh, is avoid the 76ers in the second round. Everything obviously is assuming they win their first round series. So if the Celtics can be get to that four seed, get a home playoff series to, in that first round, and then maybe play 
uh, the winner of Miami Brooklyn. The looming Brooklyn Nets is a very kind of we have no idea what's going to happen there. I feel like they could flame out in round one or even just like really lose, like maybe lose one of the play-in games. Um, it's going to be interesting, especially if the play-in game is in Toronto and Kyrie can't play. But at the end of the day, uh, they have Kevin Durant and like, you know, his name, you know who he is. He's Kevin Durant. Like, and so the Eastern playoffs is going to be absolutely wild. Um, it seems like we've lost Jay King permanently a real internet outage i think uh folks are paying him back for claiming that he was the hero early on so now is your opportunity uh if anyone wants to ask a question talk on the podcast feel free to request that raise hand button now and we'll try to get you in here um with any questions any hot takes you guys have about What's going on this year with the Celtics? Whether who you want to play moving into the playoffs? Um, what do you think the Celtics' chances actually are? What are your expectations for this Celtics team? Because as I mentioned, uh, like they just keep winning, and I I think over expectations have kind of made it less fun to be a fan in the past. And so I'm trying to temper those expectations. But then watching that game in the third quarter last night, uh, especially that like when they they had a, kind of had that moment at the end of the second quarter where uh, they let the Grizzlies back into the game. And there, there was that kind of that feeling that we uh, had about Celtics teams over the past year and a half where it's like, oh, they're just going to play another close game again or they're going to blow it. But then for the second straight night, they come out of the third quarter with, I believe it was a 10-2 run. And this is after they went on a 14-0 run against the Hawks a couple of nights ago. But those just third quarter adjustments uh, they continue to play great defense. They continue to move the ball. And pretty much they since they built that lead, it didn't really get close for the rest of the game. And that was my feeling sitting there in the garden last night as a Celtics fan is there was no kind of worry that the the Grizzlies were about to make a run. It feels like anytime Ja made a big shot or I know you freaks, you freaks out there love Desmond Bain. You guys are full Bainiacs. Uh, uh, I guess he had 17 points, but he was five of 10 from deep. Anytime he made a three, it felt like the Celtics came back and answered uh, mostly just because Jason Tatum was absolutely dominant, but just there's a, a confidence that the entire team had uh, in that second half. And <laughs> it sounds ridiculous to say, but the confidence spread to me, Jam Packard's professional sports fan there in the building. And so uh, it's just, it's hard not to feel confident about the Celtics team going up against pretty much any team in the East. And it's going to be interesting to see what they do with their schedule coming up. I know they have the Nets uh, soon. Checking it now. Uh, I believe it's a tough stretch over the next couple of games. But uh, Nets, I mean, Nick Freeman, Isaiah Thomas, and the Hornets, the Pistons. But then they have Mavericks, Warriors going. And then they have a, uh, games against the Nuggets, the Jazz who are playing well. More games against the Heat, Bulls. Like, they still have a lot of tough teams on the uh, – uh, schedule. So this was a great win against the Grizzlies and uh, we'll see how they do against the Nets on Sunday. I think it's another great test. Um, I'm going to go to Joshua B right now, bailing me out because I'm sick of hearing my own voice. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Joshua. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to, I guess, be the only person raising their hand. No, no, I, need, I needed that. I, this is like, so I don't know how Jim Rome does it. My God, monologue is impossible. Thank you for bailing me out. Hey, no problem. Um, I, I, I just, okay, so to your point, okay, to the point you made earlier about Joel Embiid and James Harden, I mean, whenever we talk, or at least whenever the national media talks about James Harden, um, up until, I don't know, maybe the 15-game run with the Nets when he had Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and they just looked like an unstoppable offensive juggernaut, up until that point, everything was about how James Harden fizzles in the playoffs. You could you literally just turn on any podcast. Doesn't matter whether you're listening to Bill Simmons or whether you're listening to Ringer NBA, whether you're listening to Athletic. Oh, James Harden can't win in the playoffs. Okay. Ben Simmons doesn't even show up for the playoffs. So how can you consider the Nets and the Sixers any kind of, I mean, deeply relevant, never mind the vaccine mandate, which we still have no idea whether Kyrie Irving is even going to be allowed to play in the home games. Never. And just like I said, Ben Simmons, you know, might not even show up. For the home game. So as wonderful as Kevin Durant is, he couldn't beat Giannis by himself. I don't know why all of a sudden he's going to beat the entire Celtics by himself. I get it that Joel Embiid is an amazing center. Our bigs are exactly who you want against Joel Embiid. I couldn't name three bigs more that I would rather have on any team, top to bottom. This includes DeAndre Ayton and the Sun. Other than Robert, Robert Williams, Al Horford, and Daniel Tice to deliver 18 fouls and play good defense against Joel Embiid, I couldn't name anybody better, and I'll be shocked if you can. So who does that leave? Like, who does that really leave who can, like, just bulldoze through us and just has all the surrounding pieces to make shots and, and dominate us? And I just don't – I think the defense plays with anybody. I agree completely with you. Now, when we get to the Western Conference, I guess that's a little bit different. I mean, Luca can always do something spectacular. You know, there's always Seth Curry, or not Seth Curry, Steph Curry. I mean, yeah, Seth Curry is busy on the Brooklyn Nets. So, you know, he'll be making shots and not playing defense over there, you know, just like he did back in Philadelphia. I guess the point is, is that if we're so excited about the Eastern Conference, right, and we believe that everything's going to be a bloodbath and all the teams are going to have it hard, and it just doesn't matter whether you're the Heat or whether you're the Fox or whether you're, you know, any of the eight teams. Everybody has the same argument, right? It's all going to be about bloodbath. Everybody is going to have such a hard time in the Eastern Conference playoffs. It's all about your draw, but it doesn't matter who you draw because everybody's, you know, tough. So if you just take that fact and you apply it to every single team, why can't the Celtics go on a deep playoff run? I, I, I think oh, they. They absolutely can. I just think, like, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think any team is going to come in and just like waltz over the Celtics just with how good they're playing defense. Um, I guess it's just, it's just a matter of how you frame it because I think the Celtics are perfectly capable of winning three series. But I also 
I feel like you uh, like dismissed the fact that Kevin Durant almost beat the world championship Bucks basically on his own last year. Uh, and if he w- would have beat them, if he wore a smaller shoe and then we're like pretty quick to dismiss Philly, you know, James Harden has not been a great guy down the stretch. Well, you know what? James Harden doesn't have to be the guy down the stretch anymore. Now he has Joel Embiid. And so I agree with you that the, the Celtics have probably the best people who can match up against Embiid, but Embiid's never played with someone who has the scoring ability to, and kind of bail him out at the end of games where they don't have to rely on kind of his post-ups anymore. And so I, I think the Celtics are absolutely capable of making a run. And I think it's because of the defense, they're going to be in any games. And I would be kind of surprised if they did happen to lose a series. Like if they, I would be shocked if it would, didn't last as at least six games, just because I think with their defense, they're going to be in a lot of games. Um, I think it's just a matter of framing. Like, yes, they can do that. Do I have the expectations they're going to do that? I haven't let myself uh, get there yet because I, I've, uh, like that bubble year when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals, I had no expectations because it was just uh, some scrappy guys. Daniel Tice is Kemba's first year, and I felt like it was a lot of fun. So, a lot of fun. So I don't mean to try to denigrate the Celtics. It's mostly just for my own mental health, not to build up expectations at this point. I grant you all of that. I grant you all of that that you shouldn't raise your expectations. But I also think that you can apply that same logic to. I guess my point is that you can. Apply that same don't raise your expectations to every single team in the Eastern Conference, again, with maybe the exception of the Bucks. I- there are no favorites. It's going to be a bloodbath where every team is going to be bathing in blood. It's going to be a... So assuming you feel that way, agree, 100% agree. Assuming you feel that way, right, and you feel that way all the way up and down the Eastern Conference, right, then it shouldn't really matter what your expectations are. All it should matter is your hope, because every team has the same, like, oh, well, we could lose the first round. Oh, well, you know, could we actually get through three rounds? And the answer in this particular case is, yeah, we could. I'm not afraid of the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, where's Blake Griffin at the end of the <laughs> You know, because I, I remember where he was last year and, you know, stopping Giannis and maybe playing the very best defense of anybody on Giannis. Where's Jimmy Butler? I'll tell you where he is. He's not on Philadelphia with Joel Embiid. He's over in Miami all by him, by his lonesome with Bam Adebayo, right? The point, I guess, the point, I guess, is that if we accept the fact straight away that the Eastern Conference is going to be a bloodbath, then we start looking for teams that could actually win, I don't know, let's say, this is just a random number pulled out of my ass, but 14, 14 and two, you know, who can win 14 games and only lose to, like, say, the Celtics over there. <laughs> right? Who can win 14 games in a row, right? Who could win 12 games in a row to get, to, the, to get through the Eastern Conference Finals and represent the East? And I think that list is a lot shorter, right? In a seven-game series, you can say, okay, well, you know, maybe James Harden goes off and, you know, maybe Joel Embiid just happens to dominate and the Celtics lose in six, right? If you look at it micro, you just say, well, in this individual series, I'm worried about the Celtics by all means, man. But when you start shortening the list and you start, well, I guess the list shortens to me in the reverse, right? Who could actually go three full rounds? Who actually has the depth? And I think if you look at it like that, there's no way you can go to the Nets, right? I mean, 
I get it that Kevin Durant is amazing. Like it, it, it's not that's not the argument. The argument is that it doesn't even make any difference if Kyrie is amazing because he hasn't gotten his vaccine, right? It doesn't make any difference if Ben Simmons is amazing during the regular season because he never shows up for the playoffs. <laughs> you know, he's afraid to dunk a ball. So what? He's gonna make it three straight rounds? Come on. You know, who are, are you deeply scared of the Toronto Raptors? No, never. Never. Not Nick Nurse. Not not of Nick Nurse. Joshua, I appreciate you. Uh, you're schooling me on the growth mindset here because I did not have enough belief. And you are uh, instilling that growth mindset, that positive mindset, that belief in me. And so I appreciate you checking me. I'm supposed to be a, a Kaizen person, incremental progress uh, growth, and you are, you're helping me out. So I, I appreciate you. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be – I'm not saying that there is there shouldn't be some level of realism that we could lose. What I am saying is that in the event that we're just looking at everything as everybody has a hard road, then there is no reason why we should also hope that we can win. Does that make sense? Yes, positive – hoping that we can win. I think it absolutely makes sense. And Josh, thanks for uh, for bailing me out there so I didn't have to monologue for a full time. For those just tuning in – Jay, noted professional journalist, uh, does not have a working internet right now. And so flying solo right now. And appreciate anyone who wants to press that raise hand button and talk some C's with me here live on The Athletic. We're going to go to pretty much the unofficial third host of this podcast, uh, celebrity caller, June, from live from Los Angeles. June, how's it going, buddy? Good. How are you, man? Doing well after that uh, phenomenal victory over the Grizzlies last night. How are you doing? Pretty good myself. Uh, I can't believe Jay just you get paid for this, man. You do it for free. I, and I understand maybe you could drop some time, but Jay just dropping out, not having internet. That's kind of unacceptable. I know. He was, ma- he was making <laughs> – yeah, this is a New York Times run operation. And Jay was calling me a peasant before we uh, started the podcast because I don't have AirPods. And this man can't even get a working internet. It's just absurd. I see. Yeah, I mean, I just came to hop on here, um, you know, just just to chat chat Celtics. And I guess I, my question for you is, um, what is what is your concern or optimism level on the Celtics offense? Because we like we we know what the defense is, right? And we know um, the offense is still a work in progress. Um, obviously, the offense has looked better, um, but I personally have some concerns. Um, about the offense in the playoffs, especially if they go against um, a defense like the Celtics where they switch everything. Um, I'm not sure there is one in the East, but in case some coaching staff does bring it out, um, I have some concerns about that um, because, um, I mean, the offense, when it looks good, it's a ball movement offense. Um, when And basically when the other team switches everything, it's going to basically have to be Jason Tatum forcing the issue and like forcing the other team to draw to uh, come with two right on an ISO um, or Jalen Brown getting ISO buckets. Um, and then obviously when you get to the rest of the roster, you don't really like the rest of the ro- rest of the roster creating something out of ISO. So I was just wondering if you have any thoughts on that. No, I think that is the biggest concern about the Celtics in the playoffs and the heat are, I think a team that actually switches more than the Celtics. Like they run out there, Lowry, Jimmy, Butler, Bam, PJ Tucker, and then whoever their fifth guy is. You kind of hope it's Tyler Hero so you can pick on him, but they have some other guys who can are maybe a little bit better on defense. 
And then it becomes Tatum just playing guys one-on-one, which is not necessarily the worst thing um, to ask for. But you're right. The Celtics offense looks a lot better. And Tatum has gotten a lot better this year at making the right basketball play when he does draw to uh, Grant Williams is apparently the best shooter in the league and is the only guy in the league shooting 50, 40, 90 at this point. Um, he's done a really good job of kind of like and making an argument that he might deserve to be out there on the court. Um, I think that's a big question is like, how do you, how do you attack kind of a switch everything defense like the heat play, like the Celtics play at that point? I think you were just relying on guys like Tatum and guys like Brown to beat their individual guys off the man. And then you kind of have to, someone has to send help and making decisions that way. But I do think it's the hardest defense to play against in the league. And that's like one of the reasons why the Celtics are having so much success. Um, I don't know. It's it, the fact that you're relying on Jason Tatum is a little bit uh, helpful just because as we've seen J- a post all-star break, Jason Tatum is phenomenal. And I think if you're only going to show Jason Tatum, like one person, it's open season for him to kind of just uh, be, you know, just be dominant as he has been. Uh, like if they, if they don't want to send two at Jason Tatum, I feel like that's could be a win for the Celtics. It's whether or not you can do that consistently and whether or not you can do that at the end of the game that, you know, that's was certainly a problem for the Celtics in the bubble um, against the Raptors and uh, against the Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. It kind of came down to the same thing where they were having a lot of troubles with that kind of defense. So I agree with you that I think that's like the biggest concern and the biggest question mark. And but at the end of the day, if you're just relying on Jason Tatum to make plays, I think it's uh you know, you're, you're generally going to be in pretty good hands because if we're talking about a series against the Miami heat, I think Jason Tatum's the best player on the court in that series. And that's usually you can throw all the analytics, all the matchup stuff out the door. Like that's usually what it comes down to, like who wins a playoff series. And um, I feel like I would go with Jason Tatum in that regard. Yeah, I agree. But I think we said the same thing before the bubble series, right? It was, I mean, maybe Back then, it was a little more debatable whether Jimmy Butler was better or not. Um, but, yeah, I mean, any series against Miami is going to be gross. I think it might be like we're, we're, in, we're in 2022 and the games might be in the 80s for real, like all seven. Oh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be the bloodiest of the bloodbaths. I get like the both teams play a really like slow you down, beat your ass kind of style. And so. Maybe they would have to play him in the second round at this point if they kind of uh, keep up in the first year of the tournament. I do think Tatum is kind of like leaps and bounds better than he was in the bubble, just in terms of his playmaking. And so I think that is what what might put him over the edge of like we we might have said it in the uh, in that 2020 uh, Eastern Conference Finals. We probably would have been wrong uh, at that point, but uh, I do think Tatum, just in terms of his passing, his playmaking, his decision making is much better and more equipped to kind of be the focal point of the offense now. Whereas in that 2020 series, there's a lot more of Kemba, the ball in Kemba's hands. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm excited. I, uh, if we get the heat, I think this it's a, certainly a series the Celtics would win, but it, I do think it's going to like, that's their biggest test against, you know, because the heat have one of the best defenses in the league. Yeah. So you like, you like that matchup a lot more than some of the better offensive teams are then. Like, I guess it's, it's a stylistic preference, right? Like, would you rather play the defensive juggernaut where you're going to be in gross games or are you going to do you want some of the better offensive 
teams with like elite talents like Kevin Durant and Joel Embiid and James Harden and see if your defense, you know, can pull through. Yeah, I think there's there's five teams that I think can make the Eastern Conference or make the NBA Finals right now. The Celtics being one of them. And then I think the Bucks, 76ers, Heat, and I'm still going to include the Brooklyn Nets in there just because that's how much respect I have for Kevin Durant. I know uh, Joshua did not uh, not believe in the kind of anti-vax Kyrie, and believe me, no one should believe in Ben Simmons. But I think out of those teams, you I like I kind of like the matchup against the Heat the most. Now I guess let's not include Brooklyn just because we have no idea we're going to get. So if it's just three teams, the Bucks, the Heat, the 76ers, I feel like I like the matchup against the the Heat the most, despite them having the best defense. Um, just because they don't have like a star that you really can't do anything with. Like the Celtics do a very good job of slowing down Embiid and slowing down Giannis, but it's only slowing them down. And I think like the the pieces that they have around those two stars would scare me more than just kind of the cohesive team unit that the Heat have. So you're telling me Jimmy Jimmy Butler wakes up at 3.30 just for you to not call him a star, huh? He does. He wakes up at 3.30, makes his own brand of coffee, says some ridiculous shit, uh, makes fun of Carl Anthony Towns to his face, and then uh, I don't call him a star. You're right. That's absolutely correct, Jim. <laughs> that's hilarious. Fuck you, culture. I'm going I'm to hop, hop off on that. Well, that's a good way to go out. Thanks for calling in, June. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Uh, Going to go right now to Jacob C. 
Jacob, how are you doing? Join me here on the solo edition of Anything is Potable. You're holding down great, Jim. Appreciate it. Um, I'm curious about what you think about the vibe. It seems like obviously winning contributes to this a lot, but like Marcus feels like he's throwing some saucier passes lately. Oh, Marcus is doing some nonsense and I'm here for it. Some no looks. I mean, obviously the 12 dimes speak for themselves, but I think he's also like got a little bit more swagger and they seem to be playing with a little bit more joy. I can't imagine Jason Tatum, for example, doing the like kiss three celebration um, before 2022. I'm wondering who you would assign as kind of the like vibes captain, aside from like the accountability captain that probably Al Horford maybe. But who do you think is contributing to some of the posy vibes going on for the team? And then also um maybe a top three or so and also in the vibe how, yeah. how they keep it going when they if if and when they start catching some L's. Yeah, so the the thing about the vibes is like winning really is the best uh ingredient to kind of create some vibes out there. Um and so when you win what I think a ridiculous, what is it, like 14 in their last 16, it's uh, it's very helpful. I don't know who the immediate vibe person is. I did like Marcus Smart throwing ridiculous passes last night. And after the game, he was asked, uh, like, what do you do when Jason Tatum's that hot? And he just said, I get the fuck out of his way. And that's just kind of a excellent vibes. Uh, another quote after the game, I think – I've been re- I've been calling Ime Hardo Ime the entire year, but maybe he's maybe he's the true vibe champion because he was named Eastern Conference Player of the Month or Eastern Conference Coach of the Month. Sorry. And after the game, his first question, our old friend Corrales asked him why they were so good coming out of halftime, and he just kind of dryly said, "Oh, he got the Eastern Conference Player of the Month or Eastern." Damn it! Eastern Conference Coach of the Month. I ruined the entire joke. That is on me. Ime had jokes. I was shocked, uh, but I ruined the delivery and I apologize to those people out there. Uh, that was a terrible, terrible execution. Ime would have me bench for that. But I just think he's like really created a, a good atmosphere. And just in the building last night, the entire team was pretty hyped up. You had Al Horford doing like the raise the roof multiple times. Daniel Tice, when he got that, uh, like was fighting for a rebound and then kicked it out. And then got a dunk back like he was going crazy. Al Horford was hyping him up then. So I don't know if I have a top three. No one's really like demonstrably like the go to hype person. So I think out of defaults, probably Marcus Smart. Um, And then I would go Al Horford. But it's just been phenomenal stuff uh, for the Celtics. And turns out winning's helpful. Winning's helpful. In the past, I might have been a process guy, like process matters more. It turns out results are pretty, pretty fucking good like that. It's helpful. Uh, for pretty much everything that's going on in terms of the organization. The results feeding into the process, I think, is the key. I also loved uh, Yudoka's uh, That Was a Joke deadpan right afterwards. <laughs> and you can like see his little like eyes smiling underneath the mask. It was perfect. Definitely definitely a vibe. Uh, definitely. I, so I was a little bit, uh, and thanks for the uh, call it in, Jacob. I was a little bit um, mixed feelings about Ime saying that it was a joke. Because it was so obviously a joke that I didn't think he needed to say it as a joke. But it was the first joke I've heard Ime make all season. So I can't be too critical for uh, of him. Um, right now we're going to go to Graham S. Join us here on Anything is Potable. Graham, how are you doing? Sam, thanks for having me. Long time listener, first time caller. Um, I have a spicy question for you. And it's one that I have a hard time even asking myself. Um, so I first want to say that I'm a huge fan of the Jays together. Always have been, always will be. 
but um, seeing Jason Tatum's success solo when Jason Jalen Brown has been out has made me think differently about whether Jalen Brown is truly as untouchable as I once thought he was. Um, I used to hold him in regard of like really not wanting to move him for anything less than maybe like an MVP caliber or some other like high, high, high tier all-star player. But I think Jason Tatum has, is like meaningfully above Jalen Brown and his play has shown that a little bit lately. And it's made me think differently about whether we could actually move. I, I don't know. I guess I would just consider a longer list of players that I would ship Jalen for. And I'm curious if you have any thoughts about that as well. I would agree with you that I think Tatum is clearly like the one a not even one like he is the one Jason or Jalen Brown is the clear two in terms of like moving Jalen Brown. I just don't think like like sure there I think there's like a a longer list of players you might move him for but I don't think the existence of Jalen Brown playing next to Jason Tatum really takes away from anything like of Tatum's games. Like, I don't think Tata, like he what did score more, I think last night in Jalen's absence, but I don't necessarily, like we've seen him go off for a lot of big point games when Jalen's in the game. And I don't think Jalen being out there spacing the floor instead of, I don't know, they had Grant Williams at small forward or just having another guy out there necessarily would hurt Jason Tatum. So I don't like, I agree with you that there's a clear hierarchy and you're much more likely to move Brown, but I don't think there's like, any need to do like really change anything because they've really just been playing phenomenal basketball with both of them. And so I would agree with you, but I just like, I don't know what you would trade Jalen Brown for that necessarily makes this team like that much more talented or like kind of raises the ceiling for this team. Cause I don't know what type of player fits in perfectly next to next to Tatum. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like I have a, an idea of who that better second player would be. I mean, if I had a list in front of me, maybe I could pick out some names. And I also do think that like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are phenomenal together. I guess the hypothetical question I'm asking is like, is there a better two man pairing for Jason, for Jalen? And is that list different now that his game has developed a little bit more? Um, if we're just going to continue, if we assume that his growth and like his playmaking, over the past few games will continue to some extent in the future. Like, does that change our calibration of maybe like who we would want as his, his one B? It's a good question. I don't have like, there's no immediate player that came into mind. Um, maybe a, a, a point guard who's like really like a Chris, like that's the thing is like maybe a Chris Paul type, but there's only like that, like so many players like that in the league. Like I think Jalen right now is a top 25 player. And if Jalen, if Jason's another one of the top guys in 25 years, like, so the other 23 guys in the league, I'm sure there are some that match up, like would match up quite nicely with Jason Tatum, but I don't know one, how a trade was works or if there's really like a necessity to, to shake things up at this point. I think the Celtics have really found, and I, you got to give a lot of credit to Brad Stevens, like found, I didn't necessarily buy in the Robert Williams, Al Horford, Marcus Smart being like the the perfect lineup around them, but they like just on the defensive end of the court, they've been absolutely phenomenal. And so I don't know. I think there's a possibility that there's a could be like another top 20 player who could like might be a better fit, but uh, I don't know who exactly that is at this point. Oh, I appreciate, oh, appreciate you uh, calling in and um, appreciate everyone who, called in to to bail me out here on the on the solo podcast uh 
going to wrap it up here. But before I do, I, you, I just have to give a shout out to Al Horford. Well, first give a shout out to the whole team because Jason Tatum had 37 points. But then three other guys in the starting lineup uh, also had double doubles. You had Marcus Smart with 18 points and 12 assists. Robert Williams with uh, just a, a quiet 10 points, three block shots, three steals, three assists, and 12 rebounds. And then Al Horford, my God, 21 points from the field, two block shots, five assists, 15 rebounds, and was four of eight from three. I mean, he's just been phenomenal. He always makes the right basketball play. He's so smart, uh, all his decisions on defense. And you can put him on pretty much anyone. He is the perfect person to line up to go defend Joel Embiid and Giannis. And then we've seen this week, like you have no problem switching Al Horford out onto guys like Trey Young or John Morant. And so you just, you got to give a big up to Al Horford. You also have to give a big up to Max Lederman, maybe Letterman, who knows, from uh, NBC Sports Boston, who... uh when Al has a great game, always puts up the graphic uh, mentioning his gorgeous eyes. And yes, I'm a huge narcissist for believing this, but like I, if I feel like if I wasn't constantly tweeting about Al Horford's gorgeous eyes, then that wouldn't be on your television screen. So I'm going to take a little bit of credit for that, for just uh, bringing some, some much needed attention to those uh, beautiful Dominican eyes that Al, Al Horford has. Um, and I think you guys can all all thank me for that later. So I don't know how to wrap up a solo podcast. I hope I didn't uh, completely bungle this. Uh, this is wild to just talk and talk and talk. So I very much appreciate those who joined in uh, and asked questions. Please, you know, tweet at Jay King. Tell him to get a better internet connection because talk about leaving a guy hanging. Uh, but thank you guys for listening. Thanks for everyone who subscribed to The Athletic. We do have, I believe this month, you can get The Athletic for $1 a year, maybe a month, even so. Some ridiculous price. So if you want to read Jay King, if you want to join us live in these athletic live rooms, something you can do, we'll be doing uh, down the stretch run and definitely after, I think, at this point, every single playoff game. Subscribe to The Athletic. You can join us here. You can ask us questions. Um, please rate, subscribe to the pod, do all those things. Uh, and that's going to wrap it up for us. I don't have anything to scream about. So um, I don't know. I don't know what's potable. Little, literally anything is potable. That's all I'm trying to say. Oh, my one final thought is that uh, that John ja Morant dunk was absolutely absurd. I was in the building. I saw the turnover happen. I knew it was going to be a Ja Morant dunk. I saw the... Uh, the pass, the alley-oop, and it was just so high that I said to myself in my head, there's no way he's going to dunk that. And then he dunked that, and it just was absolutely banana land. And so John Morant leaping out the gym, I know it's not a, a Celtics topic, but that is absolutely potable, and uh, it was a delight to watch him last night. Thanks for guys listening. It's going to do it for me. We'll tune in next week and see if the Celtics can keep winning basketball games. Thanks for listening to... Oh!